I want you to grab your Bibles, if you would, tonight. I'd like you to go to Matthew chapter 13. And while you're making your way there, I want to share with you what I'm going to do. Sometimes I, I preach from a text, and then sometimes I preach to a text. Tonight, I'm going to preach my way to a particular text in John 2. I want to tell you up front what I'm sharing tonight, the best for last. Say it with me, the best for last. Say it with me, the best for last. Those of you that went to Israel with us, you'll remember when we were standing in Nazareth. George, you'll remember this, of course. We were standing on the precipice where they tried to cast Jesus off that cliff, remember? After they drug him out of the synagogue and they were going to throw him down. You look through this beautiful, beautiful valley there in Israel and you look across to the city of Cana. Cana of Galilee where Jesus turned the water into... Oh, uh, yeah, there you are. He turned the water into wine. It was a transformational miracle. How many of you know that God is still doing transformational miracles? There you are. I'm going to make my way eventually tonight, at least by midnight, to John chapter 2. I've got faith I'm going to make it. <laughs> but we're going to start tonight in Matthew 13. So, Father, we thank you for the, the power of the Word of God. We thank you that your Word is alive. Your Word is sharp. Your Word is the sword. Your Word will cut tonight. Your Word will cut, it will pierce, and it will heal. Your sword will empower us tonight, Lord. Your sword will loose forth wisdom and revelation in our spirit. There will be answers tonight that will be released, solutions that will be released on the men of God and the women of God tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you just supersede what I'm able to articulate in the natural. And Lord, you just loose forth your word. Let it thunder in this place tonight. Lord, may there be an awakening, an awakening and a quickening in our spirit to understand the urgency of the time that we are in and that we are going to stand strong and you're going to bring us into ever increasing victory. Father, I thank you that you answer the prayers of righteous men and women. I thank you, Lord, that the prayers that have been stored up, that the ecclesia has been praying, God, you're about ready to dump the bowls, Lord, and you're going to pour out the answers. You're going to pour out the answers, God. You're going to show forth your power. You're going to commission forth your angels, and you're going to let your will be manifested. And we're going to stand in awe and say, that was the Lord our God. <sighs> Hallelujah. We bless the word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll get to Matthew 13 in just a moment. I was, I was out shopping with my wife this week. We had to go run some errands. And um, we were doing some new things with appliances. And so we, had, we went to Home Depot. And, and we... Where else we go? Oh, we went to Best Buy, and then we went down to Lowe's. And um, when we went into Lowe's, how many shop at Lowe's? All right. So we went into Lowe's and um, ran into a Christian brother that I, I hadn't seen in years here locally in Sarasota. And um, hadn't seen in years. And we, we kind of looked at each other, and, and uh, we're like, hey, you know. And um, so we struck up a conversation, had some small talk, and then uh, before we were parting, he said to me, he said, you know, Brian, he said, I really, I really appreciate, you know, the stuff that you put online. He said, I, I read all your stuff on social media. I, I watch some of your stuff and I, I appreciate, you know, what you're bringing to the body of Christ. He said, however, I really don't feel like we're living in the last days like what you preach. I just don't think we're there. So I jumped up on top of a dryer. And gave a, a message to him. No, it's not true. That's exaggeration. <laughs> it was a washer. And I'm teasing. And, and honestly, I just sank in my spirit. Um, and he's a good brother, but I believe that we're supposed to live with such urgency. I think it's biblical to live with such urgency, guys. 
Jesus told us in Matthew 24 and verse 44, he said, the son of man is going to come at a time when you least expect it. You mark that down, brother. He's coming. He's coming. And we are living in the last days, ladies and gentlemen. We're racing to the greatest harvest of the end of the age. We are racing towards the epic return of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to say tonight, Jesus is not coming back for a lukewarm church. He's not coming back for a weak church. He's not coming back for someone who's casual. He's coming back for someone who's burning. He's coming back for a bride that is burning for him. A bride that has made herself ready, according to the book of Revelation. It is a bride who has prepared herself, made herself ready for the bridegroom. Can you say amen tonight? So I understand that there's there's so much. I got to tell you, I feel. Where do I start? I mean, I've been preaching now 26 years. I have always felt an incredible responsibility to minister the word of the Lord and be a messenger and have a prophetic word to empower the people of God. When I get up before you, I'm telling you, I feel such responsibility. We are in we are in a crunch time. We are in a time of great shaking, ladies and gentlemen. We're in a time of of just where we've got to have the Lord grip us and hold on to us, guys, because the stuff that is being launched, I mean, one after the next, the assault against this nation, and it's, it is absolutely perplexing and profound that it's coming right out of our own government that is coming to literally diminish and bring America down. And so I... <laughs> I feel such responsibility coming to you tonight, and I, I am in the trenches with a lot of people, not just here. I'm, I'm with many here that are, that are really feeling the crunch, but with people all over, with churches all over that we are connected to. I want you to write this down tonight, and I believe this is going to be helpful. <clears throat> if we ignore reality... There will come a time where we will not be able to ignore the consequences that come with that reality. I want to say it to you again. If we ignore reality, which that's what the church has done a lot of. The church has buried its head in the sand. It's I mean, it's just been known for that, you know, that we're going to we're going to retreat. We're going to hide in the church. We're going to do our nice services, but we're not going to engage in the mess of the world. That's why we're in such trouble. Let me say it to you again. If if we ignore reality, there will come a time when we cannot ignore the consequences that come with ignoring reality. That's why we must prepare right now. That's why we must prepare. And when I say prepare, lots of people, it's amazing how people in the body of Christ over-spiritualize everything. Like everything's just a prophetic Prophetic, mystical thing. I'm telling you, God can speak to you so practical. You've got to be hearing the Lord in this hour on a practical level, what you're supposed to be doing to prepare. There is a great, great shift coming, ladies and gentlemen, I believe in the next couple of months. I really believe it. I even believe with this mandate that has been released through OSHA, with the president and this administration, actually, I just, Lord, I repent. What Joe Biden has done, what Joe Biden has done, I don't call him the president. What Joe Biden and this administration has done, and that may offend some of you, and I'm not trying to be, you know, Joe Cavalier or John Wayne up here, but heaven knows you can't dupe the throne of God. God knows. God knows. So so what Biden and this administration have done, I mean, even... Even this week, what's going to affect 100 million people concerning this mandate of the vaccination. Guys, we're, we're getting ready to go into a high, high level of intensity of turbulence. 
you need to get ready. And, and I, I'm not going to apologize by standing up here. Uh, you're going to thank me. You're going to thank me that I've told you to get ready and prepare yourself and to prepare food and to prepare water and to prepare your medical supplies and prepare your ammunitions and prepare your gold and prepare your silver and prepare your cash on hand. All these things are so necessary. We've got to get ready, ladies and gentlemen. This is a serious, serious, serious time. These, these food shortages is a reality. Do you understand? And this is popping up everywhere. Guys, we've got to get ready. Please get your house in order. I want to give you a scripture tonight, Proverbs 22. Brian, I thought we were going to Matthew 13. We are. I'm going to make it there. Trust me. Matthew, or, uh, Proverbs 22 and verse 3. This is out of the, the uh, New Living Translation. The, pri the, the, the prudent or the wise person, the prudent or the wise person, they foresee danger and they take precautions. But the simpleton goes blindly and suffers the consequence. Are you seeing it? The wise person foresees danger and takes precautions. Hear this tonight. But the simple man or the simple woman, they, they see it. And they just go on blindly like, hey, everything's going to be OK. Everything's going to be all right. But what happens, he says, they suffer the consequences. If we ignore reality, we won't be able to ignore the consequence that comes by ignoring reality. Danger is escalating in America. And that is why right now we have to prepare ourselves. All right, it's quiet in the church. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, some good news. God is not done with America. Oh, he is not done. He's not done with America. And the prayers of a righteous man and of a righteous woman, they avail much. I, I believe, ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced in my heart we're going to be stunned and in awe of what we're about to see God swiftly, swiftly do to bring righteous retribution and great judgment on this land for what they have done. Do you believe it? I want to know. Do you believe it? I want to know. Do you believe it? I also want to proclaim tonight that America's prophetic destiny is still alive. It is not dead. It is alive. And our prophetic destiny as a nation is not over. God has raised up this extraordinary nation to be a beacon of light. That when Robert Hunt planted that cross at Cape Henry... When he landed that cross there after prayer and fasting and declared, America shall be the land where the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be preached throughout all this land. And it shall go forth from this land to all the ends of the earth as a proclamation of the gospel of the kingdom. It's not over. It's not over. We have much, much more to accomplish. And God is strengthening by His Spirit the ecclesia in this hour. You're not just going to weather the storm. You're going to weather the storm. You will. God's going to hold on to you and keep you in His grip. But I'm telling you, you're growing muscle. You're growing spiritual weight. You're putting on weight right now in the Spirit. God's getting you ready for the finest hour. For the finest hour, because he's saved the best for last. I just want to rush to John 2 and get there, but I, I got to go through the forest tonight. <laughs> Let's take a trip. I feel like I, I, want, to, I want to insert these things. Into, I was preparing this message and asking the Holy Spirit for clarity that he would just really navigate me where we were supposed to go, that I would really get in the winds of the Spirit tonight. But I want to say some things to you very personal. That I feel that is in the preparatory stages and it's found in Ephesians chapter 5. 
if you go there. So I want to dial this down on a personal level, and then I want to amplify and go to a greater, more epic level tonight, if you'd let me stretch you. Can I, let, can I stretch you out tonight? Is that all right? This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to begin in verse 15. And before I do, the theme, there's so many themes of Ephesians, but one of the things in Ephesians is about walking. And when you read through Ephesians, you see that we're called to walk in love. The Apostle Paul says, walk in love. Then the Apostle Paul says, walk worthy. Then he says, walk holy. Then he says, uh, walk as children of the light. Then he says, don't walk as the Gentiles or as the world in the spirit of this age. Are you with me? But one of the things that he says is you need to walk very circumspectively. And that's right there in that verse, Ephesians 5.15, see that you walk circumspectively, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. To walk circumspectively is like when David cried out and he said, God, I want you to investigate my life and make it clean. I want you to root through me. I want to look inside my life. I want to make sure that there's no hypocrisy going on inside of my life. I want to make sure there's nothing phony going on inside of my life. I want to be the real deal. I want to be walking in genuine faith so that I can move in genuine authority. Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. I'm going to get to Matthew, I promise. He says this, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart and try me. This is what David wrote. Search my heart. Search my heart. Know me, God. Try me. Know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way that is everlasting. Let me read it to you out of the message translation. I don't think we have that for tonight in the slides. But in the message translation, it says, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me. Say that tonight. Cross-examine me. Don't you like those words? Cross-examine me. I love that. Get a clear picture, God, of what I'm all about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me on the road to eternal life. I think, I think this is a big deal right now, ladies and gentlemen, because we could get so ambushed with offense in this hour. I, I see Christians on social media just cussing. I mean, it, it, are you seeing this? Wait, it's Okay, everybody's under conviction. I, I, I see people on, on social media platforms. I'm going, have we all gone bonkers? What is, what is going on? Jesus warned us about these things. He warned us about getting a huge old plank in our eye while we're pointing, you know, about the speck in somebody. He's like, you need to deal with this. It means walk circumspectively. See, if we're going to have authority in this hour, and we're going to have, and we're going to walk, and we do have. But if we're going to walk in ongoing, ever-increasing authority to deal with this night hour and this dark crisis, we're going to have to walk very circumspectively before the Lord and say, God, keep me clean. Investigate my life. Watch over me. Any offensive thing, Lord, let me just get it rooted out. That's the way we need to pray. That's the bride making herself ready for the bridegroom. Hello. Are you with me tonight? Five of you are with me. Are you with me tonight? So he said, walk in love, walk worthy, walk circumspectively. Paul tells us in Colossians 1, he says that Christ in us, is verse 27, he says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Christ in us is the hope of glory. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And I want to say it to you like this, ladies and gentlemen. Every one of you, I want you to take this very personal tonight. Christ in you is the hope of America. Christ in you is the hope of America. Christ in you is the hope of this generation and the generations that are yet to come. Christ in you is the hope of our region. We talked about this 
last week about taking our responsibility and carrying the burden of the Lord and the weight of the Lord and saying, I will bear the burden of the Lord. I will carry. I will step up as a man of God. I will step up as a woman of God and be responsible for my city, for my region, for my nation, or for our generation, or for the schools, for the children. Are you hearing me tonight? Hallelujah. Matthew 13. He made it. Yeah, he made it. And you're thinking, man, if it took him this long to get to Matthew 13, how long is it going to take him to get to John 2? It's going to be okay, everybody. Matthew 13, verse 24. These are Jesus' words. He put another parable forth, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While men slept, the enemy came, he sowed his tares among the wheat, and he went his way. That's what, an, that's what an enemy always does. Comes in the darkness, sows his seeds, sows, sows his bitterness, sows, you know what I'm saying? And then sneaks off into the night. When the grain had sprouted, it produced a crop, and tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said, Sir, do you not sow good seed in your field? Why does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Well, do you want us to go? And do you want us to gather them up? He said, No. Lest while you gather up the tares, you'll also uproot the wheat with them, but let them grow together. Until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, this is Jesus speaking, I will say to the reapers, first gather the tares and bind them and bundle them to burn them. Whoa. But gather the wheat into the barn. Wow. I want you to jump down now to verse 36. Then Jesus when he sent the multitude away into the house and the disciples came to him saying, explain the parable of the terrors of the field. And he said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. The good seeds are the seed or the sons, excuse me, the sons of the kingdom. But the terrors are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Notice that. Jesus ain't mincing words. He's telling them flat out. This is what it is. The enemy came in the night. He, he sowed his seeds. It was the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. Say that with me tonight. The harvest is the end of the age. Say it one more time. The harvest is the end of the age. And watch this. And the reapers are the angels. Whoa. There is coming a time when Jesus is going to commission forth his angels for the ultimate harvest of the ages, of the nations of the earth. He's going to separate the wheat from the tares. Powerful. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, watch these next words, and all those who practice lawlessness. Wow. All those who practice lawlessness and they think they're getting away with it. But there is a righteous king. There is a righteous judge. When Paul wrote in Hebrews 1, he said this about Jesus. The reason Jesus was anointed supreme above all of his brethren is because he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. So he's going to take out those who offend and those who practice lawlessness. Verse 42, he's going to cast them into a furnace of fire. He's going to cast them into a furnace of fire where there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. The future belongs to the righteous. Radiant, radiant righteous. The radiant bride shining like the sun. 
He who has ears, let him hear. Hallelujah. Let him hear tonight, Lord. Let him hear. Wow. I got to cover my phone. My phone is filling up. People are texting me while I'm preaching. Thank you. You guys. <laughs> no one, no one, no one would have guessed that 2020 would have unfolded and spawned the way it did and what we began to experience, right? A global lockdown, the chaos of nations, and I believe it wasn't random. I don't believe it was random whatsoever. I believe this was planned chaos, ladies and gentlemen. I believe that this was a trap. I believe this was a trap that was set, that had been concealed by evil men with the worst, but the very worst intentions that have engineered this thing. But I want to tell you where this thing really had its roots. It came from the devil himself. It came from our ultimate enemy who sowed these seeds into evil man and they aligned themselves with a demonic, a demonic vision, truly. It's been a very painful, painful process these last two years. It's been like nothing we've ever seen before. Here we are now in the throes of it. Now we're watching more mandates happen. Everything unconstitutional that you can imagine is being thrown at us now. Everything is on the line. Everything is on the line. And let me, and let me say clearly tonight, your body doesn't belong to your employer. And your body doesn't belong to your school. And your body doesn't belong to the government. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it belongs to your God. Your body belongs to your maker. Your body belongs to the Lord. Your body belongs to the Lord. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You can look at the nations right now. So it's, just, it's just puzzling. The things that we're not even being told, the upheaval that is happening. And I mean, just even in Australia alone, what the the absolute chaos that is breaking out. They are literally trying to suppress the news of upheaval and and really overturning in revolution. Seemingly, listen, guys, we're, we're at the boiling over stage of a revolution right here in the United States. I'm telling you right now, they're pushing so strong, and it's about to rise up and hit them head on. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Things are about to get very, very wild, and that's why you have to be prepared. Now, I've been talking to us a little bit personally. Now, I want to I raise up, if I can, and look at some things panorama. And that's what I try to do when I'm preaching and I began to just start painting on the canvas. And I've already started painting tonight, but I want to introduce a new color so that we understand the gravity of what's happening. Israel has become center stage in the world. 73 years, 73 years ago, a nation was born in a day. Isaiah 66 and verse 8, Isaiah said, have we ever seen such a thing? But, but as Zion travailed, it brought forth its nation. 73 years ago, Israel became a nation. And Ezekiel was brought to the Valley of Dry Bones. This Valley of Dry Bones, out of the, the ashes of death, God would breathe upon a nation and then, then sinew and flesh would come upon those bones and they became a living being again. This is, it's extraordinary. The prophets call Israel the fig tree. I mean, so many prophets. You got Hosea, you got Ezekiel, you got Jeremiah. You can go down the list concerning the fig tree. But the fig tree became alive. Though it had been cut down and looked totally decimated, it literally came back to life. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again. Now listen, guys, that was a super sign. It was a mega miracle. It was a miracle sign speaking and heralding to the nations of the earth. The time clock has begun. You are truly living in the last days. You are living amongst a generation 
You are literally living amongst a generation that is going to see the return of Jesus Christ again. 2,000 years, 2,000 years, Israel was decimated, flung to the four corners of the earth, and then the Lord comes and steps in. I mean, think about this time. Think about the time of World War II. Think about, think about being a Jew in Poland or, or in Auschwitz or, or in the Warsaw ghetto at that time, trying to understand this word, seeing all of your people slaughtered. Think about this. How will God ever raise America back to or America, excuse me, Israel back to life? And yet he did it. He blew his breath of life. He said, Ezekiel, I want you to partner with me and I want you to speak breath and life into it. And now watch them arise. You can't get any clearer. Ezekiel chapter 37. Go there with me tonight. Ezekiel chapter 37. Israel had been destroyed 2,000 years. Here's this prophecy coming forth. What's going to happen? Verse 9, he also said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds. Hear this. Take hold of it. Tonight. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on the slain, and they shall live. And so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and they stood on their feet an exceeding great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. You understand? We're not in question. Who are we talking about? Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy to them and say, thus says the Lord, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Ezekiel blessed this word. And more than 3,000 years later, Israel then becomes a nation after being blown to the four corners of the earth. And a nation was reborn. I'm giving you perspective. I'm giving you perspective on the forbearance of God. The patience of God. The patience of God. God says, I'm the God who watches over my word to perform it. I watch over my word and the word that comes out of my mouth, it'll never return unto me void. The word that I send out of my mouth, it'll produce exactly what I said it's going to produce. And then look, if you need hope tonight, all you have to do, America, is look to Israel. If you need hope tonight, look what God did for a nation that was completely dead. God brought them back to life. He said, they're going to live. They're going to rise up. I'm going to put my breath in them. But watch this. I'm going to restore them to the land, the land of Israel. Seventy-three years ago, Israel was born again. All over the world, the Jewish people have been flocking into the nation. We're seeing it grow and boom and boom. And now it's becoming center stage, ladies and gentlemen. Daniel's 70th week is about to come on center stage. Very soon. The time of Jacob's trouble is about on us. Massive things are about to take place. You know, one of the greatest reasons, folks, we cannot miss this. One of the greatest reasons that God has blessed America immeasurably is because we stood and blessed Israel. You can give God praise for that. There's a covenant that God gave to Abram. He said, I'm going to bless those who bless you. And then he said, I'm going to curse those who curse you. God has immeasurably blessed and anointed us as a nation as we stood with Israel. Hallelujah. We are in an epic time of unfolding a prophetic, prophetic prophecy. Jesus calls it the end of the age. Look at the things that are happening right now, ladies and gentlemen. 
All of the global alliances are in a convergence right now. Think about that, geopolitical things. The reset. How many of you watched all of the leaders in the climate summit fall asleep? How many saw that? Not, not just the guy that was sent from America, but all the other guys. But ladies and gentlemen, while they were all falling asleep, the real news was on the other side of the wall was the 27 world banks that are plotting the, the reset and the one world order reset on, on, on really coming into covenant with the Green Deal that's going to make sure that they plummet nations and peoples who do not submit. Guys, we are in a very dark hour. There are all these convergences happening right now. The economic reset. Think about this. Think about the religious governance. Things that are being placed, set in place right now. In Abu Dhabi, right now, the one world religion headquarters is being established and built under construction right now in Abu Dhabi for the Jews, for the Christians, and for the Muslims to come on one turf, on one property, and to worship together. The Pope is going everywhere, bringing, bringing in Shiite Muslims together to pray with him. There's a, there's a convergence of coexistence, breaking down every barrier, erasing the lines. It's happening, ladies and gentlemen, while we're right here. It's happening. The world is changing quickly. And now we're seeing all these mandates again. I tell you, I'm very, very concerned about this latest mandate. Very concerned. The impact that this could have upon our economy, on our jobs, this is intense stuff. How many of you saw the infrastructure bill passed in the night hours last night? Yeah. The enemy comes at night, plants the seeds, doesn't he? All of these things are pressing us into a time that the scripture says is called the tribulation. There is coming a time where the, where the lawless man, the beast, this man of sin, the one that is possessed by Satan himself is going to come on the scene. I want you to go to 2 Thessalonians for just a moment. I'm going to make my way to John, I promise. Y'all still with me? That's half of you. Y'all still with me? I'm 48 years old. I gave my life to Jesus right before I turned seven. I've been living my whole life for the return of my king. I want to make sure that I don't mince any words tonight and tell you, listen, I pray for Donald Trump all the time. But I'm not looking for Donald Trump to come back on a white horse. I am looking for the ultimate return of my king. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm living for. I'm going to say this again. Guys, last night when we went to Lowe's and that, that brother, he's my brother. When he said, Brian, I appreciate all you do. But I just don't believe we're really living in the last days. I'm, I'm telling you, folks, I, my, it just sank in my belly. I looked at my wife when we got in the car. I said, oh, Jesus. We just began to pray, really, for the church at large. Let there be an awakening. Let there be an awakening. Man, I'll tell you, it's a sobering thing to think about the ten virgins really sleeping. It's a very sobering thing. Second Thessalonians, are you there? I am in chapter two and I'm beginning in verse five. Do you not remember Paul's writing? He says, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Now, what is Paul talking about? The restrainer is the church that is anointed by the Holy Spirit. The church is the one restraining evil. You guys, you understand that? The ecclesia, the church that Jesus Christ is building, that the gates of hell does not prevail against, is the restrainer in the earth against evil. But the church is going to be, there's, there's coming a time, the church is going to be removed. It's coming. It's coming. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And 
Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. My God, that's so powerful. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power signs and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Notice that they rejected the truth. And what happened? The consequence was this. Because they rejected the truth that was able to save them, for this reason God will send a strong delusion that they'll believe a lie and that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. My God, that is sobering. I'm going to skip past reading through some things in Revelations 13. I want you to put it in your notes. Will you do that? I know many of you are taking notes tonight. I want you to read through Revelation chapter 13. I'm just going to give you some highlights. You're going to see the manifestation of the Antichrist. You're going to see the, the, the manifestation of the false prophet coming on the scene. You're going to see a global alliance of political, governmental, religious things coming together to control the nations. Why? Why is all of this deception happening? Why is the enemy fighting so hard for this? I'll tell you why, guys. Two reasons. Because the enemy is hungry for a harvest as well. Don't you miss this point? The enemy is hungry for a harvest himself. He is after the souls of men. He's in this for eternal souls. But he's also in it to be worshipped like God Most High. Are you with me tonight? Now I want to go back to verse 1 in the same chapter, 2 Thessalonians 2. And I want you to look at these verses with me. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you to not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter. Now, when you study this, what happened was there was a letter sent to the church in Thessalonica that told them that the coming of the Lord had already happened. And it stirred up a ton of dissension within the church. So that's why Paul specifically, specifically says this, either by word or by spirit or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Lord had come. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed. The son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worship so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Wow, it's called prophetically, that's called the abomination of desolation. Guys, are you seeing, can I just ask you plainly, really, can I just ask you plainly, are you seeing the squeeze right now that is coming that is going to affect everything that you can buy or sell? Are you seeing the race to Revelation 13 of a mark, that that mark has to be in your forehead or on your right hand to buy or to sell or to do anything in the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are racing to this hour. You've heard me preaching this for years, and I'm going to keep preaching it. We are living in the last days, guys. Things are being accelerated so quick throughout the nations. There is scheming being set in place. The demands that are being pushed now, it's being elevated to where we're going to see a revelation of a mark that's going to be demanded. But all the while, guess what? The Lord our King is coming. And the Bible says when he comes, he's going to destroy the snake with the brightness of his coming. The very countenance of the Lord Jesus Christ is like the burning of, this, of a million suns, radiant in glory. And he's going to consume the enemy with his appearing. Can I get an amen? amen? Matthew 24, these are the words of Jesus. Verses 4 through 8, Jesus said, these are the signs of the beginning of birth pains. He said, don't let anyone mislead you. 
Don't let anyone deceive you, for many will come in my name, saying I'm the Messiah. They'll deceive many. You're going to hear of wars and the threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things, they must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation's going to rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes in different parts of the world. But all of this is only the first birth pains with more to come. I've said to you before, I mean, nobody understands birth pains like moms in this room. And what's happening right now, there is frequency that's building. And what used to look like, here's a birth pain, and then we jumped in time, and then there was another birth pain, and then we jumped in time, and there was another birth pain. Guys, now it's like it is shortened up so quickly. Everything is accelerating. Guys, everything's converging. Everything's accelerating. Birth pain, birth pain, birth. And what is that? It's the, trim, it's the tremoring. It's the trembling cup. It's coming. Israel's hour is coming. The curtain's going to pull back. There is going to be an antichrist like the world has never seen. Adolf Hitler was an antichrist. The word says there have been many antichrists, right? Throughout all of history. See, the enemy didn't know when the time was going to come. So he always had someone in the wings that he was ready to bring forth to bring world dominance. And that would step into his agenda for the earth. There's something far worse than World War I, World War II, Adolf Hitler. There is something far more epic. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest news ever, the church needs to hear. You have not been appointed to the wrath of God, but unto salvation. You need to hear it tonight. You need to hear it tonight. I'm telling you, there is a wedding preparation that is going on in heaven right now. There is a wedding. There is a bride that is making herself ready for the bridegroom that is about to come. He's going to come at a time. And, 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 hey, you can read all your favorite books of your favorite authors. Just remember this. Jesus has the final authority. He's coming. He's going to come and rescue his bride, adorn his bride, and feast with his bride at the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's coming. Oh, it's coming. What we've seen in our military. I want to speak to this for just a moment. I don't know how many of you saw this week the news break about just in the Air Force, just in one wing, not, not, the, not the Army, not the Navy, not the Marines, but in the Air Force, over 14,000 soldiers stepping down from active duty because they, they refused to be vaccinated. How many of you saw that story? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's right. That's just one wing. Guys, think about it. Think about what's happening. Think about, think about how America is being gutted. It's being cut down. You understand? It's being gutted, purposely gutted, cut down, withered down. This is something I pray about all the time. I don't always talk about it here on Saturday nights. Those of you that are with us every Tuesday night, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the Lord speaks to me all the time concerning the boundaries of our nation. Like a Department of Homeland Security. The Lord just takes me, and He's done this for years. He takes me in the Spirit and takes me to coastlands and different places in the north and in the south regions and in the coast. Watching. Listen, I'm telling you, guys... In the fear of the Lord, we have got to be praying on our watch over our nation because our enemies are licking their chops. They are licking their chops right now watching what is happening to our military. They would love to hit us at a moment of opportunity. These are the things that we have to be praying. Why? Because we're the restrainer. Do you hear me? We're the ecclesia. We're the ecclesia. We're seeing things diminish on the natural watch. And that should cause us to stand at attention and step into our spiritual watch and say, Lord, I release your warring angels as a hedge around America. Lord, help me. 
This is a time, guys, for us to be very alert on our watch. On our watch. I believe the harvest is ripe. I believe this epic harvest of the end of the age is, is upon us. I've said it to you so many times, but I have to say it again. I believe even through the shaking, even through the turbulence, even through the difficulty, even through things that are going to absolutely shock us, we are going to see the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God because heaven is hungry for the souls of men. The sickle is going to come out, and the Lord's going to begin to thrust in the sickle. He's going to commission his angels, and the harvest of the ages is about to come in, ladies and gentlemen. I believe it's going to come in very, very quickly. I believe we're about to see some of the most extraordinary things in the most difficult times, in the most challenging times. See, guys, people are contemplating their lives. People are contemplating their livelihoods. People are contemplating their children. They see everything on the line. People are in transition right now. And I'm telling you, they're ripe unto harvest. I believe it's going to be very easy to lead people to the Lord in this, this hour. I mean it. I believe it's going to be very easy. Guys, there are walls dropping down that have been in people's lives for decades that are beginning to drop, to drop, to drop. I, I read something recently about the, the, the highest level of search engines on the end times, what people are watching in video stats of them watching about end time prophecies. You know, I truly believe prodigals are the ones on there really searching and looking and awakening and going, I, I'm serious. I believe God is reaching right into the heart of that prodigal and touching it and making it beat, just making it beat again, come alive within them and say, you were raised, you were told, you were warned, you were told the king is coming. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. John 2. I made it. <laughs> Dear Lord, Brian. I love this story. I love it for so many reasons. Can I just see by the raising of hands, how many of you saw the episode of this where Jesus turned the water and the wine into chosen? Can I see your hand? Wow. Wow. Yeah. Was that powerful? Powerful. I love the story because it's truly about transformation. And there's something I, I don't, I mean, I've learned a little bit about the knowledge and the goodness and the nature of God. I'm going to learn about it for all of eternity, and I'm going to be blown away swimming in it going, wow. <laughs> wow. I'm going to be looking at you, Mark. Wow. You're going to be looking at me. Oh, my. Mind blow! Wow, wow. We we're we've got about that much, right? To an ocean of eternity of learning. But what we learn about about God in this 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 story that is captured in the Gospels is so amazing. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. <laughs> now, both Jesus and his disciples they were. Invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? <laughs> like, mom, mom, why are you tapping me? What's up? What's up? Why are you tapping me? Then his mother said to the servants, <laughs> do whatever he says to you. Whatever he says, do it. Do it. I love that. I think we need to take that very personal right now. Whatever the Lord says to you, do it. Whatever the Lord says to you, do it. I mean it. Let's go back to practical. If the Lord tells you, you better get your house in order and get things prepared. You better do it. 
and don't be embarrassed of it. I'm not embarrassed. Whoever's going to see this video, oh, look at that clown. Look at that guy. He's up there telling his church they need to store ammunition. And yeah, that's okay. I can handle it. It's okay. Do what God tells you to do. I know what the Lord's told us to do. I'm trying to preach it. <laughs> I told our men, I'm going to pause and say this. This is important. I told our men in the church the other night, guys, if we if we come through a time. If we come through a time of such epic shaking where everything that we have in the bank right now as a ministry is about supplying for the families of this house and our ministry and who is connected with us, it would be worth it. Everything we've been putting away and saving. I'm telling you, if we, if we come through a time where, where we're cooking meals and our ministry looks like you're, you're finding Brian in the kitchen and serving meals and plates and taking care, guys, we're going to do it. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes in this hour of shaking and quaking. Guys. Whatever it takes, we're going to make it, and we're going to endure, and God's going to be with us every step of the way. You know, I, I remember, I remember one of the mentors in our life, Cletty Keith. I remember when Pastor Cletty's mother-in-law, Sister Weathers, I was sitting alone with Sister Weathers one day. And she began to tell me about what it was like to go through the Great Depression. Out of nowhere, she just started talking. And I'm just sitting there on the couch, and she just kept talking about her stories and what it was like to live in that era of time here in the United States. I was blown away. I was trembling. She just kept pouring and pouring and pouring, looking at me with eyes of fire. And then when she got done, she said, Brian, I want to remind you something, son. I want, she said, I want to tell you, never complain. Never complain about your life. Never complain about what you have to endure in the ministry. Never complain. That never left me. It's never left me. Guys, there's people who have endured things that we, we can't not even fathom. The church in Iran right now, the church in Afghanistan right now, the church in Syria. Uh, think about it, guys. I'm telling you, God's going to be with us. He's going to preserve us all the way. He'll be everything that we need. Are you with me tonight? All right, I'm in verse 6. And now there were set six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification for the Jews, containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw out some now. Take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that had been made to wine, and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called for the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Oh. You have kept the good wine until now. I, I have to pause right there, guys. I believe we're in a time, a prophetic time, where everything in the natural is going to run dry. But the hands of the Lord are going to come upon it. And God's going to launch us into a transformational moment a provision and power. Verse 11, the beginning, this, this beginning of the signs that Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. That's strong words. He manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
What I'm extracting tonight is this. This is what we learn about the nature of God. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stand up here and act like I totally comprehend it. There's something about God that he loves to save the best for last. I get really excited, actually, when I think about it. You, you and I were born for such a time as this. You are living in the fig tree generation. You are living right now. Israel is alive. Israel is alive. 73 years. In the Bible, a generation is anywhere from 70 to 80 years. And Jesus said this generation will by no means pass away until they see the return of the king. Guys, I believe we're in the greatest epic window of human history right now. I believe the return of Jesus is imminent. I'm living every day with the burning. My king is coming. I'm living every day circumspectively. God, investigate my life and keep me clean. Let me walk wholly before you so that I can walk in unprecedented boldness and authority in this hour to take up the sword of the spirit and yield it against the darkness of this age. We've got to walk. We've got to walk holy before the Lord. Jesus said, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. It's accelerating, guys. Everything's accelerating. But the great news is, is the king is coming. He's coming. And this is what I know, and this is what you know. He saved the best for last. The greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God that's leading us into the harvest of the ages is almost upon us. I think we're just stepping into the shallow end of the pool and we're about ready to drop down into the deep places and where, where you can't feel the bottom anymore. You can't feel the bottom of it anymore and now the Lord has us and he says, now, watch me move. Watch my power. Watch what I've been storing up in the bowls of heaven as you've been praying. As you've been praying, as you, my ecclesia has been burning day and night, and night and day, and day and night, night and day. Look what I've stored up for you now. Watch me move in the nations. Watch me move. Guys, I, I'm looking forward to being blown away by, by the things we're about to see. And through all the trouble, I say God is faithful. I say God is true. I say God is true and every man is a liar. I say God is true. I say his word is true. I say the Holy Spirit is preparing you as a clean and holy spotless bride for the bridegroom. He's coming. Can I get an amen and a shout of victory tonight? Come on, let's stand. Let's stand tonight. Cody, would you come? You've saved the best for last. Glory. Glory to God. Father, I thank you that your fire is burning on the altar. I thank you that you're increasing yourself upon us. I am so thankful. I give you all the glory for it too, Father. I give you all the glory. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, tonight as we open the altars, as the prayer team is preparing themselves right now, I pray, Lord, that your river flows. I pray that you would release your power, your anointing, your joy, refreshing, healing, healing, miracles, miracles deposited tonight. In Jesus' name. Father, I don't know who is watching this broadcast right now, but I've just as what I've seen as you 
I just pray for the prodigal right now. I pray for the prodigal heart that grabbed hold of this broadcast tonight. In the name of Jesus, I call you. I call you home. I call you home. I call you into the kingdom of God tonight. I call you to return to the Father's love, to the Father's mercy. If you're in this room tonight and you're a prodigal and you're away from God, I call you to the grace of God. I call you back to the mercy of God that he can cleanse you if you would repent. And repent is not a dirty word. Repent is a beautiful gift of God. Because when we repent, he washes us white as snow and gives us what we don't deserve. I call you home tonight in Jesus' name. I call you home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want our I want our worship, or, excuse me. I want our prayer team to come. Just line up here. Let's prepare ourselves. Whew. Yes, Lord. All on our prayer team. I want you to begin to pray with me right now as you're down there. Just pray for transformational moments, literally water into wine moments. Water into wine moments, transformational moments as we pray for people tonight. Let's pray for the power of God to be released. Come on, every one of us, let's pray for the power of God to be released tonight in Jesus' name. Let's pray for the anointing to flow in fire. Hallelujah. Father, we pray fire. We pray fire. Fire as we pray tonight. We pray for words of wisdom, God. Words of life. The anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage tonight. The anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage tonight. In Jesus' name, I speak blessings tonight. Miracles, miracles in the house. Tonight, I want to pray for you for any reason before we dismiss. If you need prayer for any reason, you want the prayer of agreement, you need a healing in your body, you need a miracle, whatever it is, I want you to just slip out right now from where you're at. Just slip out all over the sanctuary and begin to come. We're ready to pray for you. We want to minister to you tonight. There you go. Just keep coming. Keep coming. Father, I thank you for the house of God, the people of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bless you tonight. May this be a miracle week. May this be a, a week of signs and wonders. May this be a week of breakthrough. May it be a week of prosperity. May it be a week of brand new beginnings and open doors in the name of Jesus. May this week you be crowned with the favor of God. And may the joy of the Lord carry you and be your strength. In Jesus' name, I bless you tonight. Come on, let's give a shout of praise to the King. Come on, church. Hallelujah. Good night, everybody.